Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum. It's a special uh, to uh, I don't know commemorate the uh, the international series against <coughs> uh, against South Africa. Uh, the the sound you can hear in the background there is the mighty Murph clearing out the last bit of Glastonbury <laughs> from his uh, from his throat. Uh. We've, we've dragged him back and put him through a uh, rigorous training re- regime this week to get him up to match fitness. <laughs> and here he is in, in all his glory. How are you doing, Murph? Good. Yeah, I I stopped feeling knackered on Thursday. So, um, having come back sun- Sunday night, so uh, yeah, I'm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't know how much weight I lost because obviously the steps were ridiculous. You know, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not one for counting my steps every day, but they were. Everyone was talking about all their steps are through the roof, and um, I see. I don't know if it's just me, but there seems to be less food stalls at Glastonbury than ever. Oh, really? So every time you wanted to eat, you had to be really committed to eating, if you know what I mean, because it was just yeah. a long queue all the time. So I skipped quite a few meals as well as walking all day and all night. Um, I'm not the type who weighs myself all the time, but I must have must have shifted a little bit of timber on that weekend. Well, match fit, match fit, just yeah, that bit definitely. leaner, that extra yard of pace off the base of the ruck. It's a yard of pace um, and take about 10, 15 years off and I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I tell you, taking 10 or 15 years off, that game's put 10 or 15 years on me, I think, yeah. uh, which uh, we are definitely going to get into. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I um I was impressed that you cycled to Glastonbury as well. Well, you know, not from Cardiff, it has no. to be said, but yeah. impressive nonetheless. And uh, yeah, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It, do you know what it was? <laughs> what started it was uh, people who go will know. Obviously, the tickets, what it is, is fairly expensive. But mm. to leave your car in a overgrown, lumpy field, they charge you fifty quid yeah. just just to you know park and and that's you know serious profit because there's thousands and thousands of cars. And um, 
I just thought, stuff it. I'm not. I'm not going to take my car. I'm going to. I'm going to cycle and save myself fifty quid, two hundred quid's worth of kit later, uh, to <laughs> to fit on my bike. That's it. Um, net loss of hundred and fifty quid. Yeah, but you know, I've got that kit forever now. So um, yeah, it was. It was. It was a very chilled way to arrive. You normally sort of in the crush all the way down in the yeah. car, and then you, you're lugging all your shite from the vehicle to the site and all that. But the bike lockup is fairly far into the site and you just jump off and off you go so I, it was a very chilled out i wasn't in any traffic i was just going through farmers areas god knows where i was because i was just sort of sat nav from yeah. um, from my mate's place so um yeah it was a nice chilled out way to arrive i didn't yeah. cope with it so well on the way home obviously but uh <laughs> that's another story yeah getting off and pushing it up the hill yeah but uh yeah well good for you you so say you get you get a special campsite with with a shower in it if you turn up on a bike yeah there's a cyclist field but most yeah. most people you take their bike in and then just camp with their mates anyway yeah. because it's whatever but if you're committed you can go in this separate field and it's got like uh, solar showers in there and stuff and um there was no temperature set in mind on the shower so i will be mm. right into mr evis that's it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah well i don't know maybe if i get a ticket for uh for next year i'll knock a cyclist off his bike a mile away and, uh, and, and pinch that in well, it's, mu- it's much easier to um cycle down than it is to get a blow yeah i've lost you mate we're back we're back sorry that was me i was trying to move my laptop when we lost um lost connection momentarily oh, uh, yeah that feels like a good point to uh, to move on to some rugby niceties out the way, Murph. Um, <laughs> let's get down to the uh, yeah Patreon special for Murph's Glasgow experience that'll be coming up at some point. Uh, but let's get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, a, a an astonishing test match, and um, yeah, we've got lots of listeners' questions coming in, which we're going to uh, to dive into. The reason I moved my laptop, this shows the the level of professionalism uh, that the show is, is because I've got my mic obscuring the the Twitter feed here in front of me, so I can't actually see. So I have to reach into my pocket and get the get the phone out. Um, I thought I was being really prepared by having that up, but obviously that that failed massively. Um, right, let's get stuck in to. Um, all right, let's go to this one because I think this actually sums it up quite nicely. So Gary Mason, I know, long time listener of the show. Do you think this is going to be the high point of the tour? Yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Because, you know, the, it's fairly uh, uh, general. The general consensus is that we've caught them cold, having not played mm. in a long time. Um, we played, obviously, in March, uh, April. So, um, yeah, and, and you know, although we played really well, they, they posed no threat or very little threat behind in that game. And it's hard to imagine them being that pedestrian again in this series. Um, but, you know, it, it could just have been our uh, tactics or the way we defended or the way we approached the game yesterday is why they couldn't get going. But you'd imagine there'll be a reaction, you know, in the next couple of tests. But the good thing is we've got the, the hard uh, venue out of the way. Well, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true, yeah. Oh, yeah, the uh, nice easy trip to Bloemfontein next. Um, yeah, but, you know, quite often, you know, you're 2-0 down in the series, say, in Alliance. You know, next thing you know, you're playing in Loftus, yeah. uh, trying to get some, salvage some respect out of the series. Like So uh, we got the hard one out of the way, and it was gone, you know, much better than anyone apart from 
there was a few, wasn't there, dotted around the internet, like Paul Williams and what have you were calling the Wales would be competitive in this series and everyone mm-hmm. was laughing at him. And there was one or two others who called it as well. But um, generally speaking, no one no one saw yesterday coming. No, I, I certainly didn't. I think the you're absolutely right. The consensus was that we'd probably be on to a stuffing. Um, it certainly wasn't that, you know, last kick of the game. You've got to look at it as a missed opportunity, though, I think. for And this is not me, you know, obviously we've been critical of Pivac's team selections and the, their performances in, in recent times. And this isn't just Pivac bashing, but I think you have got to look at it as a missed opportunity because, one, have you ever seen a South African half-back pairing play as badly as uh, as De Klerk and, and Yankees did in that first, or Yankees in that first in that first half? Yeah. Um, I mean, De Klerk had some good touches uh, points in the second half, but I, he looked way off colour compared to what he's normally like. Well, he was spaffing it. I mean, he's the probably the best box kicker uh, scrum half wise in the in the world, and he was spaffing it into touch. And in, even in the second half, when he was playing better, he was still knocking yeah. bad kicks into touch, direct into touch. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, that was you know, we've never won. Obviously, never won a game. South Africa and that's the closest we've ever come and how long will it be uh, how long will we have to wait that that's the trouble when you um, obviously we've got the same record in New Zealand the same record in uh, Australia I don't think we've run a test in Australia either have we we've come close in Australia um, I'm thinking that I don't know. Terrible record, anyway. Either way, terrible, terrible. record. Absolutely. Uh, and and when you when you get these ones where you've played really well and they just fall uh, short, they're, they're the ones that you you you've got to grab because you know, as we know as Welsh fans, is around the corner. There's always likely to be a drubbing away in uh, in June or July. So, to to come back to that point of whether it's Wales turning the corner or catching South Africa cold, something I will say that I, I thought was, you know, certainly encouraging was after they, uh, what would, would this have been, the, maybe after the, the penalty try and then Wales were down to 12 or 13 and 12 momentarily mm. and they got the penalty in the, in the Dowie Lake try. I thought that that genuinely was a moment of, yeah, I think that it would be very easy to let your head sink at that point and go, right, we're not getting anything out of this game. We've given it a good try. Yeah, better. yeah. But they, they rolled and went again. And uh, it's, you know, to see, to see Dan Bigger miss a conversion like that you know, it wasn't it wasn't a tap in, but for him, for a goal kicker of his standard, he would normally he'd normally nudge those over. Um, you know, but for that and the and the, the penalty at the end, they've they've done it. You know, they've done it the hard way. So I don't know. I think the the spirit that they showed at that point was definitely something that we didn't see that I didn't see that at all in the Six Nations, if I'm honest. No, I mean this the bit you've covered there. That there's so much to dig into on that like the the going behind having been 15 points in front and then to come back and score a, 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 a driven line out try against South Africa first of all you know I, I love slacking off coaches but credit to the forwards coach on that one mm-hmm. um, and uh, I know we're obviously going to come to it later but when we score that try normally I would go go, go on lads or whatever you know come on Wales whatever what I was actually the first thing I obviously bounced off my sofa. First thing I said was "fuck you, ref." <laughs> I'm afraid that is the first word that came out of my mouth. Which, li- which brings you, us, which brings <laughs> us brilliantly. Well, I'm not to, finished. Uh, uh, oh no, it's good. I basically, I just want to. I just want to acknowledge people who said, "Can we have Murph have a rant about the referee?" <laughs> um, you can. You can have it. I mean, we're yeah. back. I mean, I, it feels like bloody Groundhog Day. We're in a situation where uh, we're 
uh, analyzing a Welsh game, and it's all not all about, but a massive feature of it again is shitty calls or being on the end of shitty calls from the ref. Which ones in particular were your uh, were your highlights, Murph? Uh, it, I suppose the biggest one, which is getting a lot of attention since, is uh, Lewis Rees Summit's yellow, because it was a great piece of defending, with a, you know a beautiful clean tackle, clean. A clear release and then jackal to win the ball should have been penalty to us. We end up with a, a man off a gra- off a pitch. Uh, Dan Biggers was dubious. Uh, I think that's a pen. Pen, if yeah. If you want to give a pen, give a pen. Other teams get away with it, by the way. Other teams get away with that all the time. Uh, pen, yeah, fine. I, I mean, in a way to South Africa, think... so penalty, fine. Um, yeah. Never saw the actual. Um, maybe it was clear cut, and I just didn't spot it. But Halloween Jones is. Uh, yellow we couldn't really see apart from being offside like nearly every international side in the world we couldn't really see what uh, had happened there and and then you could have picked for uh, I suppose once you give a penalty try you've got to give a yellow but he could have picked anyone in in the mall in that uh, in that defending mall at the end so we should have had two for sure we ended up with four or was it more than that I mean, Dan Bigger could have. Yeah. Dan Bigger could have. Three off been, at one point. Yeah, I think it was four in total. Dan Bigger yeah. could have been on a second yellow card at the end for the penalty, which resulted in them winning the game because that was a deliberate knockdown. So he could have been on a red card. He didn't bother giving that because I think he was. Uh, Dan Bigger has had a mental game, by the way. Well, well, mm. Just going back on your coverage there, uh, started the game uh, brilliantly, uh, you know, defensively. The, the Lewis Resamit try, the first Lewis Resamit try is everything I want to see Wales do. Just slick hands under pressure. Every single player had someone in their face and they still managed to throw an accurate pass to their mate. And that's why uh, the quickest guy around got the ball in space and finished it off. And it was lush. Uh, then um, um, Danley just chipped over a pitching wedge from miles away from a drop goal. Uh, was quite rightly... Bigger, arguing with the ref. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, bigger, not Lydia. Yeah. What did I say? Oh, the chip. Oh, yeah. It would have been, ni- been nice to see Lydia. Have a crack at <laughs> I'm that. getting excited. But that, that was. That was a, <laughs> I, I, do you know what the frustrating thing is? Sorry to jump in, Murph. But right. you're right. He had an amazing game. And the frustrating thing is that you look at it at the end and it's two mistakes that. Um, yeah, well, that's what I was coming to. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's been brilliant all game and he's quite rightly in the ref's face because he was all over us. The ref's warming all over us. Um, and then at, <laughs> at the death. He's still being great, uh, playing his part in everything that we're doing well. Um, and then in the last three minutes, he misses a conversion. I mean, conversions can be missed and then gives away the penalty that wins them the yeah. game. So he's just done everything, really, all in one match. Um, and and w- what I think stood out um, amongst all that, is, you know, on top of all that, is how much the crowd hated him. Mm. The crowd booed every single time he was on the ball, every time he was kicking into touch, every time he was lining up a, a place kick, every time he, he was talking to the ref, he just booed, you know, worse than he would be at, say, Twickenham. I, mean, uh, I, I don't know why he's so unpopular in South Africa as opposed to other countries. I, I think that's just South African fans get, you know, I, yeah. I think that's probably that occasion he's got under their nose and they really, they really go for it when they do. You know, I think we, we mentioned last year 
the well several times you mentioned last year during the Lions tour how flat it was because there were no fans in there yeah and yeah yeah that's not just that's not just the Lions fans in there it's the South African fans which makes it so much more heated mm. because there's a point on there where I was just I was like God I was like I was like I was like, even if this wasn't us playing I just want someone to stick one. <laughs> Stick one on these South African fans because they drive you mad. Which yeah. again is the beauty yeah. is the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, you know that's why we that's why we love sport is those you know is those completely irrational moments. But um, yeah, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. And a long way throughout the the game, I was thinking, God, South Africa. You know what would South Africa give to have Dan Bigger at ten today? You yeah, know, it, yeah. So just someone who can control the game, and that's and that's what he did for large chunks of it. But um, yeah, absolutely on your point about the first try. Um, even before it got to the backs, the, the what set it up was that alertness. So you know, uh, well, Roland squ- Roland squandered it. Gareth Thomas was onto the loose ball. Roland straight away after him popped inside. Kieran Hardy's there. It's recycled quickly and it's away. And that was, you know, I know it's a, it's a try for turnover, but that's just, that was a great try. And that's the stuff that's that's really really encouraging because we hadn't looked like doing anything like that all all season. No, yeah. At one stage, I think I've said on here, at one stage in the spring, no team in the country looked like they could string a ball accurately across the back line. And yeah. that, you know, that is the most basic part of any back's job is to be able to fling the ball across the bloody back line. And the the the, the senior sides, the, the internationals, the regional, the under-20s, none of them look capable of throwing a ball at speed across a back line like professional rugby's players should be able to do and um yesterday it's the first time we've seen it this calendar year at least um so yeah and and then you know that's why you have people like Lewis Rees Samit on the wing because when they when they get given space like that there's it's all over um uh, it, it i mean we it, we were up against Cheslin Colby and mm. um a pimpy and we didn't see him apart from the the one uh, the one try Kobe scored, but that was just a walk in, having been battered up front for yeah. half an hour. Essentially, there was that, you know, it wasn't there was a... that that break kind of deep into the second half from Colby as well, where he yeah. looked. Cause they they seemed to be running into dead ends quite a lot actually, mm. and then Colby managed to do Cheslin Colby things and find yeah. some space out of nowhere. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's um... you know, and the best centre partnership in the world was kept quiet. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's balmy. Uh, the more you think about it, the more mad that game was. Um, just going back briefly to Will Rowlands, it seems to be like a acknowledgement around the way that he's retired, Alan Wynn. Do you think retired? Well, you I know, mean, it's, when it's, I say retired, uh, I mean yeah. t- taking his position and left him being a support act for the remainder of his uh, the remainder of his playing days, essentially. Um, if he, if Will Rowlands carries playing like this, then you, you can't drop him. You're absolutely right, and actually, there's quite a lot of talk about the lock position, which we're going to come on to. I'm now. not comfortable so one... with it, but that's. The... <laughs> well, yeah, this, this one's um, this one's come in from Jake. Uh, it says, "Is Alan Wynn a starter for Wales anymore? Should Rollins be there in his place uh, and have a succession plan on the go?" I mean, from from my point of view, you can't. You can, and that's what was so strange about the Italy game. Is you, we all know, you know, what Alan Wynn's done for Wales. As we said a million times, he's probably the greatest ever player. <laughs> Um, and certainly in the modern areas, but it was really strange to drop Rollins for that Italy game because he was in the form of his life and he was he was absolutely massive again um, yesterday. I, I think that is Wales' best second row partnership at the moment, and you know that, things can change for sure. But right now, you, you go absolutely same again next week. 
Yeah, I, you know, and uh, just um, personal attachment aside, it's, de it's depth. You know, if someone like Alan Wynn can't get into the uh, starting 15, then that means we're going all right. You know what I mean? There, mm. there was a time, I know he's uh, late vintage Alan Wynn, so it's different. But um, there was a time you couldn't, you couldn't imagine the second row uh, without him in it. So um, the way Will Rowlands has grown over the last season or so, I mean, he was good when he arrived, don't get me wrong. But this, I don't know, eight, last eight oh, or yeah. nine months, he's just got better all the time. And um, uh, I mean, I don't know. Will's not young, is he? Late 20s? No, I want to say 28, something like yeah. that. But, you know, um, if, if uh, Adam Beard was a different type of second row, less of a telegraph pole mm. it would be him was under pressure but mm. he's our specialist line off they were they were south africa were marking uh were marking adam beard out of the lineup so we would have yeah. to throw elsewhere all the time and um that's a good sign that he's marked it is a good sign and also defensively massive hats off for the way they defended the i know they got their tries from that in the end but bloody hell there were points where i was like how long is the ref going to give this get give this um this driving line out to get going when South Africa had it because Wales defended really well to start with mm. um, defensively and that's so hard especially against that side no side in the world does driving line outs as well as South Africa no. and and I thought they did that really really well that defend that whole defensive bit so hats off hats off for that and actually again you know look credit where it's due to Pivak he's the one who identified Rollins right at the start of his tenure you know and um, and bought him in I know he'd he'd had his eye on him I think when he was at when he was at Scarlet's and knew he was Welsh qualified, and you know that's that's turned out to be a, a really important. Um, mm. uh, it turned out to be a really important. I, I, for Wales. I, I, you know, as we know, I'm um, quite happy for um, Wayne to have been uh, pushed out after the Italy game, but um, mm. he's got a team together today, uh, this weekend, yesterday, um, and that probably. That performance probably means he's not going to lose his job. Well, that's a good point, actually. This this question is coming from Paddy Gilling, who uh, says, "I'm sure I'm sure he uh, won't have mentioned it, but what does uh, Murph think of the referee?" Which I think we've we covered, and I'm sure we'll come back to. Uh, but he also says, "How much does that performance shore up Pivak?" Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, especially if we continue in the same vein for the next two games, then it's, there's no question. Then it's like anything else; it's much cheaper for for the union to keep hold of him. So you know, if if they uh, continue to play like this. Uh, I think there's trouble coming because we were getting away with it in the scrum. You know, we, we picked our our weakest scrum to start the game against South Africa yesterday and on the whole managed to get away with it. But I don't think South Africa are aware of that much longer. You know, when you've got Mal Herbert and uh, uh, Ox and Che, eventually they're going to just say, no, no, keep it in the scrum. Keep it in the scrum. Keep it in the scrum until we're in bits. So, um, yeah, I think there might be trouble coming, especially because uh, I, I, well, I hope um, Tom Francis has been sent home after being knocked out again yesterday. We will definitely come on to that in the second half. Just mm. quickly on the uh, on the pivot thing before we have a break. I think that it's one of those where, realistically this would have been much better for him if it was a one-match series. You know, if you go home after that, do you know what I mean? If it was a one-off test, you go home after that, go, God, yeah. do you know what? That's something to build on. Given the spring box a bloody nose, everyone goes off, has a good break over the summer, back to club rugby, then into the autumn, we go, right, we have to pick up where we where we left off. Mm. Whereas I can see, 
I don't want to be the prophet of doom, but like you say, you can see a backlash from the spring box because they're not used to getting run that close. Um, oh. And they and they shouldn't have been. They would they would I thought they were dire at points, and I can see them getting a kick in. And if they sort themselves out, like you say, it could be that they just grind you down, and they're dirty dirty side as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, with it, you know, you know what I mean. Within, you know, there was nothing, there was nothing sight worthy in that game. I don't think, but it, but they're 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 aggressive and they're aggro and they can they can really wind sides up. And yeah, I can see I can see a drubbing at some point in this tour. But you're right, you know, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe the greys the players will grow in stature off the back of that and go right. This is a side that can that can run the best in the world close on their own patch. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I hope it goes that way. Um... What are you saying about the South African players there? It's the um, the shoving and the squaring up uh, and expecting the opposition to back down in that situation and expecting mm. the referee to make them back down in that situation. It's the, it's, and, you know, I, I, I'm, for, I'm all for aggressive rugby playing, but it's the entitlement mm. in their credo kind of thing. They, they're going to shove you and you're expected to back down and the referee yeah. is expected to support that. You know, that's the way it looks when you're watching on TV. And that, that really winds me up. That makes me wish, you know, I had like a voodoo doll of um, Jesslyn Colby in the dead ball area shoving Dan Bigger around. Like, I know, look, different eras, different generations. I would, uh, <laughs> a back, you know, was, I, I can't remember who else was, it was Bigger and was it Josh it was Bigger Adams? North. Bigger it was North. North, I think. Just it's slapped not, yeah. him all over the pitch for that. And yeah. then obviously all their players would have had to storm in after. But don't, oh, it's just, it's, it's because. Quite rightly, you can't punch everyone anymore. It's become more of a soccer type scenario where you yeah. just it's just more like a dick measuring contest than an actual fight. Do you know what I mean? Just like egos looking at each other. There's no actual violence involved. Though. But he's shoving Dan Bigger in the dead ball area. That kicked him stupid in the in the 1990s on a parks pitch in uh, Cardiff. I can tell you that for nothing. Well, I think that that'll be the uh, that'll be the slogan for this podcast. I kicked him stupid in a park, I in a park game dropped, in the 90s. He dropped him and everything. Cheeky little fucker. <laughs> I, if I could right. catch him, obviously different different colour fish. So time for a uh, a quick break and for us all to regroup after that uh, that, that wonderful insight into the way that our mind works. <laughs> uh, right, we'll we'll be back with some more <laughs> listeners' questions and. Uh, uh, my uh, my hot take on the Dragons rebrand, which I know our fans are desperate to hear of, and I know I know Murph is desperate for. I think he's just gonna he's gonna walk off when I start I, talking I just, about that. I just going back to a session with my shrink now instead. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll be back in one second. Right, time for some more listeners' questions, Murph. Into the second half, I found this very therapeutic. Actually, um, I think it would have been much worse <laughs> if I had to if I had to deal with that defeat and, and not have you as a uh, as a, a, a metaphorical shoulder to cry on. Um, oh, do, do you know what? Before we get on to more questions, I had an absolute shocker um, trying to watch the game. So I was actually in Cardiff this weekend for my oh, niece's yeah. christening, right. and um, the christening finished by. You know, it was finished by like half one. It was great, and then we went down to Rubina Rugby Club for the um, I, you know, the, the uh, there's a bowls club and a tennis club and, and the rugby yeah, club the rec, yeah, 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 the yeah, rec, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, and we went down there for like a little a little do afterwards, and I thought oh, this should be all right. We're staying here, guaranteed to have the game on. Um, but then by the time we got to four, my kids were just starting to uh, starting to lose patience completely. I thought oh, I'm gonna, I'm not. There's no way I'm gonna be able to watch the whole game here. So watch the first fifteen minutes. And then drove back to 
back to my mum's in Bristol and uh, thought, well, that's all right. I'll, I'll avoid the result, watch it tonight. We'll be travelling, I'll have the radio off, just do a likely lads, avoid the result and watch it. Didn't, have, didn't check my phone, nothing. And then when it went to, went to go and watch the games, not on Sky. My mum hasn't got Sky, so I've logged into my Sky Plus, not on there. I haven't uploaded it. Um, haven't uploaded it yet. I was like, oh, God's sake. I'm like, I can't Google, you know, I can't Google a full live stream of it because you just get the result. Yeah. So I kept going back to Sky like every half an hour and seeing. Anyway, I gave up at 11 o'clock. I was like, right, it's obviously not on here. Um, next day? So I, yeah. So, so, so the next day so you didn't know the result? So so today, huh. Sunday, I avoided it still. Well played. I've still, I've still not checked my phone, hence not phoning you this morning to check you're still on for tonight. Yeah. Um, and I was like, right, I just won't won't check my phone at all because I because someone will have ruined it for me. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, no social media, no nothing. And have then driven from Bristol back um, back down the M4 uh, to to here in Guildford, avoided it, and then got to four o'clock today, watched the game in full. Well done. As live. Um, so yeah, it was uh, even more agonising, I would say, having been through all of that. To uh, to avoid the game, to I think have, uh, if last I think if we'd won that game yesterday afternoon, which obviously we nearly did, you would have feared. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You would have feared by right. today. So, yeah, but even even then, I had um, like I, I can't remember why, but I um, I got a text message come through, and so, like, I just glanced at my phone and looked away, and I saw it from the WRU, and I was like, oh, well, we must have won then. I was like, I, was like, I bet we'd won because they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be contacting you for any other reason than to try and shift tickets on the back of a good performance. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, sure enough they they are. Um, but anyway, there we go. Uh, let's get down to the listeners' questions again. Uh, and do you know what? Let's let's take a serious one now. Uh, so this one's come from Pro- Progressive Rugby, who um, obviously you know we we talk about quite a lot on this pod, and they they tweet us every now and again um, with the obvious caveat that you can't see Thomas Francis' medical records. Do you think most fans would want him to return home for a prolonged rest prior to the next season following his uh, latest concussion? Uh, yeah, I do. And I, but I don't think it should be uh, up to the fans to pressure anyone. It should just be yeah. the welfare of the player taking into consideration now. I mean, we're, we're going to be Dylan Lewis and a couple of youngsters, I think, uh, left in the squad if Tom goes home. But I don't know what you can do. I mean, it was bad technique on his part. He had his head on the wrong side of mm. someone's leg and that's why you got it Kitsoff, was Kitsoff's think, leg yeah. yeah I mean even with Kitsoff even on the right side it's going to work but you, you get your head jammed between his leg uh, and your shoulder mm. and he was out you know completely out uh, looked like he'd been shot and um, it's too many in a season for him really isn't it? and there's just no you know there's a World Cup we're on a cycle of a World Cup. It would come around in no time. There's just no point. Well, to me, say say if all protocols and everything's going perfectly for him since that incident, he still can't play next week because he's been out. So, he, you know, in seven days' time, you can't play again having been out called on this match. So he's only going to be there, even if everything goes really well, he's only going to be there for the third test. And by then, we've, we'd have blooded these uh, unknowns we've taken out with us only you know we've only done it because we've taken it because we've had to but um i just for the sake of the last game of the series can't see any point in him staying on the tour well yeah and and more so i just you, look you're right it's not even just about all oh, the world cups around the corner you've got to look after him it's just like you, you see you see you see these um these collisions happen and you just go 
no good can come from him playing. It just can't. You know, for his own long-term health, no good can come from it. And look, I have no medical experience or knowledge whatsoever, but just take him out of that take him out of that scenario and get home and yeah. do whatever you can to, to sit it out. Well, if you're in a, it's been well documented with people like Shantaine Harpe and different things. Uh, oh, um, Rob Baxter, I think was one. And also uh, Joe Worsley, they had too many concussions and then you, your brain or your head becomes sensitive to anything. Mm-hmm. And even uh, a glance across your face can pull you out. So yeah. accumulated concussions can mean you go out much easier than. That's why you know, boxers seem to fight less than ever now because they got that long period of recovery between each fight. Same goes for um, uh, mixed martial artists. If they actually get knocked out in a fight, they, they have a long break before they go back to any contact training and certainly any uh, competitive bouts. And that's the way we've got to start. You know. The, you know, there's still this um, certain type of person on Twitter who's saying uh, we used to carry on in my day and the game's gone soft and all that shit. But you know that if you look at the history of contact sports and boxing, when fighters used to do multiple multiple bouts per year, and going back decades, mm. they all ended up, you know, almost all of them ended up in mentally impaired in their old age, and um, that's what we've come to realize in recent years and if someone like uh, tom francis has got a habit of getting himself knocked out all the time in the pitch he's got to he's just got to take a break i mean there's loads of players uh in the system reese patchell's done it george north has done it you just can't That's seem funny. to yeah just can't seem to uh keep their head out of trouble and every time every time they have a glance they're out cold so when you're in that cycle i just think i don't know i, I don't know if you can put any hard and fast rules on it you know, in terms of time, but um, I just think you just got to take Tom out until September at least. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And do you know what? I think the most important point you've made there is really it's it's nothing to do with the fans, is it? Like this, this is something that just has to be. You know, it's fine. Us, you know, we're just a pair of fans, and we got our opinion on it. I think our point is do what is medically right. You know, do what is right to recover in the, you know, in the the short and the long term, and that's, you know, that stuff that is, go or should be governed by a doctor's opinion, and uh, and you know, listening to listening to the science on it rather than yeah, uh, you know, what it was like in my day in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, well, all, all the signs are there with Tom Francis who's got a problem because you know there, there, there's other. Uh, instances where he would have had knocks in the past, which wouldn't do well, that. The, what, the one, the one against England was was particularly bad, wasn't it? Yeah, what I mean is, there's others where he would have had bad knocks and it wouldn't have knocked him out. Yeah. But yeah, now yeah. it seems to be glancing blows, and he's totally asleep. So that suggests there's a, an accumulative problem in it going on with his head, and he needs to be um, assessed the fuck out of, if that's a, te- a technical term for it, uh, and and looked at very carefully before he goes back into contact again. I'm pretty sure that's what the doctors say. Yeah, it's on. It'd um, be on his on his notepad now. That's that's why their handwriting's so bad. So you can't see <laughs> you can't see those kind of comments. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's take the, let's take this one from Rugby Twenty Four Seven. Do you know what? The, this guy has actually tweeted us before, and he told me his name. So I'm going to go back and check. Neil, that's it. So Neil at Rugby Twenty Four Seven. What are your thoughts on Thomas Williams kicking the ball away with 20 seconds left on the clock? Right intentions or just poor game management? One of my mates had a rant about that on WhatsApp, but I just think 
it was nothing left in the tank for our boys. We were still, I think, on 13 players at the time. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, what can you do? You're looking around for someone with the energy to... Um, the only criticism that, that did uh, land with me was he shouldn't have gone for length. He should have gone for a contestable again. But Yeah, I think Jamie Roberts said that in, in commentary, didn't yeah. he? Or he, said, yeah. he, said, he certainly said it at some point. Yeah. That actually, it was, a, it was a tactic that had worked well. You know, the box mm. kick had gone well. Hardy, to be fair... But the com- contestable ones were working well. Not That's just, right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, you know, with the altitude, Thomas thought he was going to get it right up to the uh, try line or whatever. But it didn't. It didn't go well for us. But then, you know, we, we just. I just felt we weren't going to have the energy to play out ninety seconds, not against those big gets. You know what I mean? And some. It was going to have to be kicked eventually. And then you. I mean, the the other way would be for every back to come in and just play with a blanket over you. I know, but you know what happens in that. Yeah, we get turned over. How many times you've seen it? You you get turned over or you you give away a penalty for sealing off. Yeah. It happens so often. Yeah. It's almost like that when that intent is there, that you know you're just trying trying to play the game out. Yeah. Someone is going to give away a penalty. And I think the referees' senses are heightened to it. Because they know all they've got to look for, yeah. That all they've got to look for is sealing off, yeah. Because the the team in possession don't really want to do anything with no. it, other, other than just go from uh, collapse rock to collapse rock and and, and wait, run the clock down. So they they get more harsh on the on the breakdown. But I mean, we've got a, we've got a um, we've got form for it in this country. Like Mike Phillips kicking the ball away in a game in Australia. I think um, might have been another country, mm. which was a you know he shouldn't have kicked, and also. To compound the issue, he was, it was an absolutely shit kick as well. Mm. Um, and we ended up losing. That might have been at home. There's another one of Priestland ended up kicking the ball away in a game where we were hanging on to beat a tri, uh, Tri-Nation side. So we've got form for it, you know, plenty of it over the past years. But on this occasion, when you've got so many players... T- the, other, the other thing with it, this amount of uh, uh, sin bins is we didn't see a lot of the bench players. Like uh, Anscombe didn't, never got on. Mm. Um, I didn't notice when... Josh Adams went off. It ended up with uh, Owen Watkin on the pitch. Owen Watkin was on, yeah. yeah. So we didn't even get the opportunity to use our bench. Obviously, Dylan Lewis went off and had to come back again after about five minutes. So um, there was a lack of fresh legs and a lot of tired bodies. You, you know, you're defending with uh, 13 or even 12 men at stages. So I, I just, I don't know what option uh, even even if he'd gone for a contestable kick was there any legs left to chase it mm. you know so it was uh, we were um, a bit of a busted flush at that stage and we needed South Africa to implode <laughs> if you know what I mean um, I mean I think I think we should take heart in the fact that they had to just bludgeon their way through with a driven line out they, they were, if mm. their driven line out had been faulty on the day they would have lost that game because they, they, they didn't look like scoring behind um, do they ever? Do they ever do anything else? We, I think we moaned all last summer, didn't we? That oh yeah, but they the whole time yeah, no, the ball in the air to the, yeah. to the you know. I mean, the worst they've got the best winger in the world. The worst series of rugby I've ever seen. Uh, but mm. since then, in the autumn, they played some rugby, and they more importantly, they're, they're um, provincial sides or whatever they are, yeah. named after animals teams, uh, uh, do play a lot of rugby and good rugby as well. So it's in them. Um, and they have, you know, like I say, since the um, uh, Lions series last year, they have they have played rugby. But I don't know. I, I, I 
you you would you would you'd expect to see their boys in full flow at at the high veld, wouldn't you? Uh, it just didn't, mm. and I think we give credit to our team for that. Yes, no, actually, because that's true. As as much as you say that Wales, you know, when did we play March last, right? Mm. When, Wales March, played in yeah. March, and we lost to Italy, which is hardly <laughs> ideal preparation, is it? No. Um, and then we've had a lot of players off injured. And we had a big rest line because all our regional sides are so shite they didn't qualify for any end of season true. stuff. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah, no, that's a good point actually. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I. It's hardly, it's hardly like I, I hardly see that as a, a massive advantage. No, you know, I, th- I think they've been caught cold because, if I'm honest, I don't think South Africa expected much, and uh, and they looked really, really, they they did look short of a game, but um, they were they were really poor with it in the first half. Like that's like like woefully poor. Well, they, and, they wouldn't um, they wouldn't have expected much on the back of playing against our regional sides. No, they wouldn't. You know, they're playing them. In the domestic season now, and I think well, there's not a lot to worry about this afternoon with this crowd. So, because yeah. um, not even no one, no one, right? None of the regional sides ran any South African side close on home on on their patch, or none of the good South African sides anyway. You know, there was nothing where you looked at it and went, "Oh, I know, unless I'm completely forgetting, which is entirely possible." Um, I, I, it, I just my memory of those games where it was so one-sided on their patch. Yeah, there so, wasn't yeah, even any close right. scores, was there? You know, I don't think apart so. from the. Um, uh, the weak side, the Lions, is it? Mm. Um, you know, it was they all, all our sides were conceded forty points plus uh, down there, so that might be some of the reason why they're a little bit complacent. But I, 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 don't, I tend not to think um, it's them underperforming as such, and just us playing really well. I'm, I'm, I'm determined to say positive referee aside. No, I th- yeah, look, I think it, I think it's somewhere. I think it's somewhere in between. Yeah, um, you, you always, can't. Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah, you can't. Um, you can't say Wales didn't play well because I think it was the spirit. You know, as much as anything, they came out really up for it. Yeah, the, the most up for it I've seen. For well, the while. defending. You're right. You know, the defending was epic. You know, Tommy Rafael. I mean, he's been he's been really good. Can we can we settle this? Yeah, Rafael or Raffle? Because I've always oh, called him Tommy Raffle, and Tommy Rafael to me, as Martin Gillingham said on commentary all day, yeah. he sounds like he should be a character from like Mitchell and Webb or something. Like he's you know some failed actor yeah. who's uh, who's trying to do so. You know, it's Rafael, darling. <laughs> Tommy <It's> Cockles. Rafael. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we want to, if we want to go the you know the real re- Welsh route with him, we call him Tommy yeah, Rafael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, look, he, he's we've talked about him, I mean, and he's been really good for Lesser, but he's been, you know, he clearly a good player, but he's been outstanding. This, you know, he's been one of Leicester's yeah. best players this season, and again, a little bit like I guess um, Navidi when he came on the scene, everyone thought mm. he was just a great club player, and then he put him on an international stage, and you realise he's a god, and uh, that looks based on one game that looks like what Tommy is he looks just godlike in a, in a well shirt like it, it, it even Sia Khaleesi was chatting to him at length mm. after the game because of the way he played so um it wasn't just um I mean it wasn't just like kind of eye-catching stuff either was it it was just the amount of work that he got through and it's not just you know because the, the, you know there's some good turnover work in there as well but it's just the nuisance work, you know, mm. and the scramble defense. Scramble defense, I thought, was brilliant yesterday from the whole team. You know, there was, was a cover tackle from. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the Lewis Reece Summit one, yeah. um, which was it was a great bit of defending. Obviously, he's got the gas to do it. There was one. There was that one from Bigger as well. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's uh, it is definitely things like that that give you encouragement because that was not on show at the end of the Italian game. 
which was <laughs> no. weak falling off tackles, thinking, yeah. "Oh, we'll probably we'll probably get through this." Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you, look, you're absolutely right. There's there's um, there there are there are positives in there, and Ty, and Tommy Reffle is probably as as big a positive as you want. Just just when you you know, just when you thought it, it was going to be, uh, it couldn't get any harder to to pick a back row. Um, yeah, I, I, I will say, is, I will say, he, he he did benefit yesterday from being in a properly balanced back row. He's got an out and out six, yeah. an out and out eight, and then he he just plays seven, and that's his only role. Uh, other boys who've had chances like Jack Morgan and uh, Tame Basham in the last season have been in botched together yeah, back rows. Seb Davis covering at six, yeah, and, two and two, two open sevens. sides yeah. and different things, and that's you know that can work, but it's it's not the same balance. And so Tommy's at it, you know, and, and he's also got to play in a side that was playing well, for, unlike the others who played this year. So, um, as ever, you know, people got very carried away with Tim Basham when he came into the side, uh, generally in the media and around the way. Um, and I, I, I try not to get too carried away with uh, Tommy, but uh, like when he when you watch him play for Leicester, he's a type of physique where you know, obviously, these boys are supreme condition. And there's, you know, there's veins hanging out their arms and their necks and their legs. But a bit like Alan Wynn, Tommy seems to have veins in his face. Mm. <laughs> He's just got a craggy, gnarly, veiny face, which I, I don't know if that's the way you grade international forwards. But that, that, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> that is, I, I to thought, me, that's I a thought... promising sign that his face re- is absolutely fucking frightening. I like to think that that's the you know, kind of what Sean Edwards does. He's like, yeah, I spotted this youngster. He's just yeah. veins popping out, veins <laughs> yeah. where there shouldn't be yeah. veins. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's that's you know like a different kind of player. I think. Well, no, very similar player. Sam Auburn, mm. like the, um, my one of my good mates, coached him at a young age, and just said, "Where, where you and I will have veins in our forearm." He's got that on his hip. Yeah. and on his, his love his, handles you know there's, his, there's his just veins have got veins yeah there's just and, and that's because they're obviously really strong but very low um, body fat so everything shows up and they're just gnarly as fuck mm. yeah no I thought it was uh, it was an impressive performance uh, for sure um, right as we head towards the end of this show Murph it can be prolonged no longer and you just mentioned uh Teams named after animals. Uh, we're going to move that slightly to teams named after mythical beats, beasts, <laughs> because uh, because Jamie Phillips, who genuinely I think has listened to this show since the the very first one, um, has asked for for my thoughts on the the dragons rebrand, um, and it gives me an opportunity to say that hopefully we're going to be speaking to David Buttress about it. Um, so keep your keep your ears peeled if that is such a thing for uh, for that, or better still. Make sure you subscribe to us because you'll get a notification uh, if, we're, if we're able to, to get that interview. So that'd be good. Um, firstly, Murph, do you have any thoughts or do you care about the Dragons rebrand in any way? Um, look, we, we've talked about uh, marketing being a weakness, um, but I think most of the regions have been through rebrands, probably several over the last 20 years. I think I think all have been through yeah. at some point now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, when I say rebrands, I mean re-rebrands, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, makeovers. And that's fine. And, you know, like I uh, yes, it made the most salient point about marketing of the game in Wales. Uh, but that will only go so far. What it actually needs is to be fully funded, the region, um, and be competitive 
in terms of salary budget almost I don't think we, like I said, before, I don't think we need to be on a level playing field with the big spenders in in, um, in the British Isles. But if we're just ballparking the same, if we if we look like we're playing the same sport in terms of how much money we spend, I think we will be not far behind them um, in terms of ability on the pitch. Um, what I don't, what I don't, you know, this I'm going off piece a little bit. But what I don't want to do with if the if the budgets do. Um, go up in across the regions and Wales. What I don't want to do is just get more generous with the same players because mm. that's pointless. Because yeah. some, some as we've just, I think it came up in the last podcast we did before the end of the season. Some players are overpaid now. Lots of players mm-hmm. around the regions are overpaid for what they are because they, you know, uh, we, as we discussed, there's this banding thing where if they achieve so many caps or if they play international rugby, they, they move up a banding and, the, and they're on a substantial amount of money and then they play against guys over the border in Europe or whatever and they can't hold the scrum against them and the, the guy who's stuffing them is probably on half or 60-70% of what the, the our boy is on so that banding thing needs to be looked at and we what we don't need like I said we don't need to get more generous to the boys with you we need to get more business like with the boys with you they're already here and then bring in the really top quality that we used to really top quality imports that we used to have 15 years ago but what I really want to know is would those players look better with a Fleur de Lis <laughs> crest with Dragons ROC written above it mm. um, well listen if, if it catches on with the kids and the kids buy loads then it's been worth it it depends how much yeah. someone got paid to come up with that rebrand, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I shall pass that that question on to Mr. Buttress if we uh, if we manage to, to secure his time. Um, but yeah, look from from what I think about it, because I've kind of got two hats on this. One is a professional hat, having worked in a in marketing, sports marketing, and that's a very boring hat because it kind of says, right, what does the research say? What, you know how much how much research have you got behind the rebrand to suggest this is what you know this is the direction you should be heading um the other part that's probably a bit more interesting is the is the fans hat um which everyone seems to have an opinion and that's what it that's what it comes down to that's the that's the important bit is how how much more likely is it to to get you to to go and watch a game and um i suppose the problem i have and this is the problem with the, the regions full stop is it kind of sits somewhere between Newport, which some people were kind of thinking, right, Cardiff have gone back to Cardiff, or are you going to go back to Newport? And obviously a lot of people who are perhaps disenfranchised with uh, regional rugby generally might latch on to Newport for a bit, but then they do get pissed off if we lose every home game, um, uh, you know, and have a season like Cardiff did, because it's not like, you know, it's, I, I don't, I, I think, you know, maybe that rebrand for Cardiff is the right thing, but it doesn't solve anything unless you you're able to back it up on the pitch and that is the important thing um i like the fact that you know there's there's a bit more of a, a reference to, to kind of gwent or monmouthshire on there because to me it's just like i'm i'm just a bit cynical and fed up like you say of teams named after bloody animals or mythical beasts it's like i don't you know i, I know gwent is a you know it, it, it's a thing at least right if you if you if i was explaining the game to my mother-in-law as often happens and she says what what rugby are you watching today and I try and explain that what Dragons versus Benetton is and I can't it's a lot easier 
to get people to go and see, I'll go, oh, it's Gwent versus it's Gwent versus Leicester, right? And she'll say, where's Gwent? And I'll say, oh, it's in South Wales. And that you can kind of explain. Your mother-in-law won't say, where's there. Gwent? She would. No, she oh, probably would. Yeah. She probably would. Um, she's from Liverpool. I don't think she. I don't think she'd be necessarily as familiar with the uh, no. uh, historic counties oh. of, um, of South Wales. But anyway, um, I, I don't know. For me, that's kind of something you can buy into, and you know, either Gwent or Monmouthshire. It's a place. I just. I would just like teams to be named after places for a change. But it's harder. To, it's harder to do in Wales because we've got a. You know, we kind of got a fudged regional system. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so they're called the Gwent Dragons. No, they're now just called Dragons RFC. Oh. But I'm suggest I'm suggesting. Oh, I see. That, right. Yeah. 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 In in my eyes, I think it should. I think yeah, it should be called Gwent Dragons. Probably should have been what they were called from the start, yeah. but they haven't. And yeah. frankly, now I'm just like, I just want to see a team based out of Newport that's competitive. Well, look, the, the, let's be honest. The name is the least. Uh, again, to the point where the yeah. name is the least important aspect of it. Is we just need them to be competitive. We need at mm. least two of our regions to be able to make it into the top half of the table the domestic yeah. table that's a start from from there then we can talk about maybe holding our own in europe at the moment we've got every region in the bottom half of the table because they haven't got enough money to compete with all the teams they play against yeah absolutely and you know what i think that's the thing is it makes a lot of i'm not saying that branding's not important because it, it is oh, yeah. but it's not yeah. it's not a fix-all it's not a fix-all yeah. thing you know it's but what, what does fix things um, well, it, is you know the, the branding is almost like the curtains. You know, it's yeah. like the front or it's the, it's the front of house. You've got to have you've got to have everything in order behind. Yeah, it, but we're, we're, I mean? we're getting into the realms of. I think I don't know if I'm imagining this, but there's uh, some like American sports teams in whatever a franchise in whatever sport where they're so terrible that that becomes part of their franchise, that part of their marketing. Come and see mm. the the. Cleveland Browns, they're a bad team, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, or, or, or you know, or just a minor league team, which is one in seasons, and that becomes part of the yeah. thing. And, and next thing you know, there's a load of headbangers who turn up because they just want to get be uh, be cult fans behind this awful uh, team, and that that kind of uh, uh, gathers moss, and it doesn't it doesn't result in that in that side being any good. But the marketing <laughs> works, and the next thing you know, they got a really lo loyal following, and and everything goes better for them. But we're into the realms of come and see the, these absolutely shite underfunded teams get stuffed by far superior sides and have a laugh while you're doing it. That's a that's how far down we're looking at the moment. What I would uh, what I would say to that is the uh, the hardy souls that go and watch the dragons on the on the hazel stand when it's pissing down with rain and we're losing have obviously bought into that without being <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that way and fair and fair play to them for doing so. But yeah, I just think, look, if we started winning games and playing half decent again, I think enough time has passed with the names and things like that that Newport fans who were, well, some Newport fans, there will be people who, who never want to engage with it and I get it. Um, but I think there will be people who are not bothered who live in Newport who would start going again if... They were playing well, and likewise, I think there are similar people in Gwent who, you know, other parts of Gwent, um, who would go and start watching them um, if they were if they were playing well. But you know, well, like that, that's where it comes down to. You got you got to get a, a half competitive team. Yeah, uh, I mean, like we said before, the type of people they need to attract to get into rugby now can't even remember before regional rugby anyway. You know, it's yeah. twenty year old, yeah, yeah. nearly twenty year old, and so the type of people, the school kids and the people in their twenties, can't remember. Um, you know the 
hardcore rivalries of uh, the, village to village back in the day. The academy, so, the academy, the academy players can't. Some yeah, of the first team no. can't remember those no, days. So. so it's like, and that's that's the interesting thing actually. And and what well, I say interesting, I, I think it's interesting. I was chatting yesterday to um to my brother-in-law's dad, and he's um. Yeah, he used to go and watch Newport RFC every, you know, pretty much season ticket holder, and really, you know, really liked it. And he's kind of again, it might go now and again to watch to watch the Dragons, but was very much a Newport fan first. Um, but the thing I did say was actually is like if you you take a look at that team sheet now, it's full of lads from the area. Mm. You know, it is now. Whereas when Newport were good in the nineties, when I used to watch them. Mm. It, you know, there were obviously there were local players, but our best players were South Africans. And um, it was like a Canadian invitational side as well. Sometimes, yeah, it was South Africans, Canadians, and, and yeah. you know, and, and brilliant, and brilliant imports. Mm. And it was brilliant, and it was wonderful. Mm. But there is something I, I would just love to see this side get competitive because I love looking at the amount of players who uh, are, are from Newport and surrounding towns and villages who actually. Um, you know, have gone on, have gone on to play for Wales and do stuff, even though they're playing for a side that's been rubbish for a decade. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would love it to work for that for that reason. And I think you can, again, to bring it back to marketing. If you've got a side full of local lads that go on and, and even just start being competitive, mm. that's that. You know, that is that is something to be proud of. Yeah. So I don't know. I hope it goes that we way. Should- Probably mention because we haven't been on air since. Is uh, I was gonna, yeah. But, uh, I think you, I know you, you carry on being professional. I'll just swear a lot. No, it, yeah, it's been, um, yeah. Obviously, the, the our first show since uh, since Phil Bennett, uh, since Phil Bennett died, and Murph. I, I you know, as a, a man much more much more knowledgeable about rugby uh, than I am, and and uh, and rugby history. It's hard actually to sum up how important a player and a character Phil Bennett is. Really, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I look. I, the earliest I can remember watching anything on TV is 1978, and he retired from international mm. rugby in 1978. So uh, when I started going to watch Cardiff as a kid, he was just about finishing. So I might have seen him play in the flesh once, but I would have been seven or eight. So um, you know, it's, it's on the limit of my memory as well. But it is, is he just his name carries over generations and. Uh, international borders as well um i tell you what i found strange at the time is just after he'd passed away i had to go to um kidwelly area uh i was taking my mother down there and um that beautiful carving they've done of him mm. is right by the road in valinvore so i <laughs> i was driving through valinvore to go to kidwelly and um i looked to my right and it's literally 10 yards away from me and nearly crashed the bloody car. I don't know why. I just thought he was in Parkland, you know what I mean? Away from the road. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, I'd imagine I've had a lot of visits over the last few weeks, um, that carving. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, obviously we're in that uh, era now where all the 70s names are uh, getting to be seriously old men. So um, we've already, I think, Phil is the latest, but it was John Dawes, wasn't it, last year? It was. And um, so, fingers crossed, they all make it to 95. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's just, um, I don't know, it's the, it's that folklore thing, isn't it, that, that's amazing. So, obviously, uh, you know, I am a bit, a bit younger than you. So, you know, the first games I remember watching were, were in the early 90s. So, you know, Phil, Phil Bennett was was um, long long finished by then. But... You know the the legacy. You know, I, I, like I say, I think I probably watched that uh, that that VHS. Was it called the 
Oh, Wales is great. This hundred and one tries yeah. or something. No, yeah. no it was specifically about the seventies. Oh, right. And it was just, it was just incredible. You know, I mean, my brother, my brother had it, and he, he said, "Right, watch this." And um, it was more fun than watching us in the nineties. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was just they were big sellers in the nineties because there was nothing. Yeah, they <laughs> there was were. nothing yeah. to see on the everyone thing. had a copy. Yeah. Um, but that's it. It was you know, it's just that the way that these players played the game was so. I know we romanticise these things. But it was just the way that rugby should be played, and is 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 most it's most beautiful, and um, the style that the team had, and again, Ben, ben it was just at the absolute heart of that. And mm. speaking to people, you know, like my dad's mates, who really, really knew their rugby, um, telling me just how good Ben it was, you know, because you again as a kid, you, you're drawn to Barry John at, at points in that, and obviously another, you know, another player with, with an amazing legacy. But it's just talking through the the things that 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 Bennett could do um, and the way that he played the game and the spirit and the enterprise, you just thought, God, you know, how can you not buy into the, into this almost like cult of, of how important, um, how important this, this man was. Yeah. Um, and, and you think stepping into those shoes as well, you know, Barry John retired at what, 27, 28. Yeah. Um, so, you know, stepping in, stepping into those shoes um, first for club and then for, and then for country. Um, that's that's the weird thing. O- only Wales in the seventies could replace Barry John with Phil Bennett. With Phil Bennett, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, you know, the, when people talk about the greatest ever or, or pick a dream team, invariably from wherever they are in the world, if they're old enough, obviously there's a certain generation who looks at Dan Carter or John Wilkinson because they can't remember mm. they can't remember that far back. But um, uh, it's difficult to choose between the two and. Um, to to just suddenly you know uh, King Barry retires at a ridiculously young age, and you just got this young kid appears, you know, and uh, just carries on like nothing's nothing's changed. And what weirdly, like what, what, I, I know it's very hypothetical. What if Barry John had decided to ca- carry on for five years? You, the, you'd have had the two the of them. Long... Long before the days of um, the days of tactical substitutions and yeah. uh, and things like that, you know, he, he, I don't know, maybe, maybe Benny would have been the the, the Chico Hopkins of uh, of, uh, yeah. of that position. Yeah. But it's, um, I mean, as it was, what a what a history to write. And um, I I remember reading his autobiography as well, and you know, and talking about how difficult that um, is it the seventy seven tour to New Zealand, the one he captained. Mm. Because um, again, you know, so many of his, so many of that '74 side uh, are then gone, um, and to then go to New Zealand and, uh, and and try and recreate it. But the strength of character to be able to, you know, to be able to to do that, and um, yeah, just uh, you know, I mean, the and uh, you know, uh, worth reiterating. I know it's it's a different era, but on the back of being absolutely tiny in the flesh, you know, yeah. it's touch and go whether he he looks more like a. Uh, out of shape jockey than an extra rugby player. He is a tiny. He was a tiny, tiny man. Like you know, I, I mean, I've actually uh, anyone who's played against Velin Boyle has actually played in front of Phil Bennett because he was there for every game. And uh, if if you were winning, he'd he'd leave early and be muttering under his breath. Um, it's just a good sign, I suppose, for, the, for from our point of view. But um, yeah, he was um, much like um, Graham Price. Graham Price is still watching. Club rugby yeah. every Saturday, and when I was in uh, youth level, I would see him around clubs still playing uh, in 1990, 1991. He'd still be playing games, so um, they're all all those boys that just 
rugby through and through. You know, they, I guess a little bit like Alan Bateman playing in his forties. They just mm-hmm. love the game, and just because they're no longer internationals on, no longer at their peak, doesn't mean they're not going to be involved heavily with rugby anymore. Absolutely, and uh, obviously the the sad news that Phil Bennett is gone definitely, uh, you know, won't detract on the on the the legacy that he's left on the on the game. Not even just the game in Wales, you know, the the game of, of rugby as a whole. You know, his um, yeah, his his uh, footprint will be will be all over that for yeah for a very very long time. Um, so yeah, obviously the the, the sad note to, to finish on. Um, but thanks to everyone for listening to, uh, to to these. We're going to be back again next week. We'll be doing these shows throughout the summer series, and then um, yeah, we're going to put Murph on another uh, another another training run. Um, uh, we'll we'll look to hunt down Dan Killick, hide outside his house, and uh, and uh, chuck it, chuck him in the back of a van and force him to do a podcast. I mean, cause I, things I, must be bad if he can't even roll himself out for an international weekend. I know. Things must I know, be bad. This is it. it must be. Not- you must be flogging houses in Monaco or something. It's just too high roller for us now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah, no, yeah, even he, he would normally grace us with his presence for an international. Mm. Um, but yes, anyway, we'll be back next week. Uh, thanks for listening. And as always, if you fancy leaving us a review, you can do that on uh, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. That would be really appreciated. Uh, and finally, thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Uh, if you want to get some top quality coffee, support a... Uh, a um, fledgling Welsh business that, that's going from strength to strength then you can uh, you can do that too by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk thanks for listening Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>